welcome to this episode of the Middle Market Growth Conversations podcast. I'm Katie Mulligan, Editor-in-Chief of ACG's magazine, Middle Market Growth. This week's episode originally aired on ACG's video platform, Growth TV. In it, ACG Global CEO Tom Bond talks with Mitch Kahn, president of Unionware, a manufacturer based in Newark, New Jersey. Unionware was named a winner of ACG New Jersey's Corporate Growth Award earlier this year, and you'll hear Mitch talk about the novel manufacturing approach that went into that win. It's probably not surprising that Unionware's business, like many others, has changed over the past few months, including a shift to producing personal protective equipment, and Mitch describes how they were able to pivot. Unionware's products also include baseball hats, backpacks, binders, and more, and it makes them all in the United States using union labor. And that has made it very attractive to presidential campaigns looking to order swag. At the end of the interview, Mitch hints at whose hats, Biden's or Trump's, are selling fastest, and he talks about why an election year is good for business. If you prefer to watch the interview, head over to acg.org growthtv, but if you want to stick with the audio, stay right where you are. Here's Tom Bond's interview with Mitch Kahn, president of Unionware. Today we have another fantastic middle market company joining us. Today we have Mitch Kahn. Mitch is the president of Unionware out of New Jersey. Mitch, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. You're welcome. Good morning. Uh, the first question I need to ask you is in a, in a day when so many things are polarized and, and you know everyone is in their own tribal camp, how does a New Jersey-based company, no less, uh, produce incredible products overall, but uh, produce gear for uh, Biden, Bernie, and Donald Trump all effectively? Yeah, it's funny. I get asked that question all the time. And I always think, well, if I owned a coffee shop, would people question that I served both Democrats and Republicans, uh, campaigns come to us because we're really the only place in the world they can buy a union made in America baseball cap or bag. And um, campaigns are very sensitive to showing that they support the American economy. So they want to make sure that anything with their logo on it says union made in America. Absolutely. So you were just uh, recently honored with a pretty prestigious award out of ACG New Jersey, uh, the ACG Corporate Growth Award. What was it? What was unique about you all and what you're doing, and uh, why do you think uh, that came to be? Um, so that seems like so long ago because we've we've changed our business so much in the last month. Um, but the reason that we were honored was we came up with a new way to sell manufactured products. Domestic manufacturers have a secret power, and the secret power is that we can make anything. And that's been manifest over the last month when you see people who made curtains all of a sudden making hospital gowns and people who made cars all of a sudden making ventilators. The problem with being able to sell anything is that's a secret because it's really hard to promote yourself that you can sell anything. People want to see a distinct product that you sell. So that leaves manufacturers with a very difficult choice. We can either invest in creating a product line, or we can ask our customers to create a product line. And both of those things are time consuming and expensive and hemorrhage sales. So what we did was we took all of the iterations of our products and put them in a web store, over 100,000 different iterations of a baseball cap, different colors, different components. And we created theoretical products for each one of them, put them in a web store. And within about a year, our sales tripled. 
after doing that. And now looking backwards, we, we can't see any other way to sell product. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because you are your your sales have been tremendous. You you all are doing fantastic. You're you're manufactured right here in in, in America, which is a, a rare thing as we know these days. But on top of that, you're also a union shop. And and what's that? Is that a challenge? Is that a benefit, or or is it neither? It's just simply part of what you do. It's really it's a part of what we do. We've been union since day one. Uh, we went to the union that represented the workers of a company that had gone bankrupt and said, we want to start this company, but we want to keep the union. And after they were flabbergasted, uh, we signed an agreement that was almost 30 years ago. And we've really been in harmony since. It's been a major advantage. Uh, the advantage is really shown brightly in the last month when our union, which is affiliated with the Healthcare Workers Union in New York, SEIU 1199, our union is Workers United, they walked us into the New York Hospital Association and within 24 hours helped us land some very big contracts in manufacturing protective equipment for hospital workers, namely face shields and hospital gowns. Now, you all are a, a privately owned middle market company, no private equity backing or anything like that. How, what have you done particularly to pivot uh, during this crisis? Uh, you know, I mean, obviously, uh, hats are still selling, but what else have you done that's been uh, different and interesting, and, and how have you been surviving? So we very quickly pivoted into protective equipment and aggressively went out to hospitals and all sorts of organizations that needed it. An advantage that we had was we where while a face shield, for example, is very different from anything we sell, we had all the raw materials we needed to make them. We had clear vinyl because we make binders and portfolios. We had headbands because we make baseball hats and we had foam because we make backpacks and la laptop bags and they go in the straps or the bags. So we could just take our raw materials and craft some new products up and sell them. And we were able to finance the change and the growth by asking customers to pay deposits up front. Um, so, wow. we, you know, there was, it, it was really, really fast. I mean, we changed that business in less than a week. In less than a week, we had our workers all working on protective gear. Um, and your fact, so your factory is running and humming right now. And how are they managing with all this in terms of their own social distancing and, and, and the rest? So uh, it's, it's really been a challenge to be able to do that. Uh, we had one tenant, uh, we own building and uh, one of our tenants closed their business at the beginning of the crisis and we took their space over. So we were able to expand by about 25%. That gave us some breathing room. Um, we are only allowed to have about 50 people out of our 180 employees. Uh, once we took the other space, we were able to have another 50 people in there, but still it's less than half uh, capacity. And anything that we need to protect our workers, we can make ourselves. We can make table dividers. We can make masks. We've been making gowns. We've been bartering all these things with uh, medical distributors for all the medical supply products that we need too. And um, I think our number one focus has really been safety. One other thing that we did was we found as many of our own employees as possible and other people in our city, Newark, New Jersey, who could mm -hmm. sew from home. <clears throat> and we started to outsource really? work to home sewers we set up a drop zone um, at a separate entrance to our building where workers could drop work off, pick work up, not uh, not encounter any other human while they're wow. doing that. Um, and that's enabled us to to work at closer to full capacity. That takes the gig economy to an entirely new level right there. Now now we're doing sewing from home. Yeah, Piecework. Uh, 
Yes. And it also, it, it amazed me to see how many people actually still sew. I thought sewing was a dying art. <laughs> right before the, the crisis hit, we were having real trouble hiring because we couldn't find people who wanted to sew. Right. Lads up on Facebook and we were overwhelmed with responses. When you're selling these these new these protection uh, gear now and pivoting, who are your your customers? The hospitals? Is it the government? Is it mixed? And and how hard has it been to navigate through? Because we see all the nightmare stories about procuring different things and, and payment for them. Have you found that to be the case? Um, so yeah, we there are there are plenty of different uh, distribution channels that we've gone down. The hospitals have proved to be difficult to deal with, and we decided we were better off selling hospitals through distributors who already spoke the language, payment cycle, knew who to deal with, knew how to deal with the FDA guidelines. Um, we've been dealing with the government, but that's been a big part of our business uh, for a long time. Almost 30, 40 percent of our business is, is military contracting, hats for the Coast Guard and backpacks for the Army. Um, so we, we know our way around the government business. And then there's a, there are plenty of other businesses uh, that we didn't think of, like nursing homes and doctor's offices, dental offices, sanitation mm -hmm. departments, police departments, fire departments. Um, we've been trying to figure out the distribution networks for those when we can um, or dealing direct. But a business like ours is always better dealing through a distribution network than selling direct unless it's something that we really want to focus on. Now, Mitch, everything you're making is obviously here in the U.S. out of New Jersey, but uh, your your supply chain has to be global, I would imagine. How is that holding up through all this? Um, so it's uh, we know where a lot of raw materials are. One of the things that's one of the things that's kept us in business is that we're able to move really quickly when something needs to be made from scratch. That's the that's one of the advantages we have over imports. So when someone wants a tremendous volume of a custom bag made, we know where to find vinyl. We know where to find cotton. We know who's sitting on it. And when we saw what kind of bottlenecks we thought there might be in protective equipment, we started contacting those suppliers immediately and just buying the materials that we thought we might need over the next three or four months. Uh, there was one other uh, timing issue which helped us, which is that um, this happened right after Chinese New Year. And after 30 years, you realize that if you have any any raw materials that come from China, you need to buy three or four months worth before the yeah. year, the end of the year before and sit on them because you never know how long it might take to get. So we're already pretty well stocked up with the materials that do come from China to begin with. Most of our materials don't. Um, and we've just had to keep in contact with our suppliers very regularly because someone who's open one day might decide to close for two weeks the next day. Interesting. Now, how about, you know, obviously getting support and capital, uh, were you able to participate in the PPP? And if so, what, what did that look like? Uh, yes. So we were able to participate in the PPP process and um, we uh, ended up um, getting a connection through uh, the mayor of Newark helped us out with uh, a financial institution we presently don't have any bank debt. So our initial attempts wow. at getting the PPA, PPP were very difficult. So even the bank that we've been with for 28 years, they said, oh, sorry, we can only service people who have debt. Um, and then the mayor's office called us. Which is yeah. completely illogical, didn't you think? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's completely illogical. But when you look at how the program was administered, it, it really makes a lot of sense that right. it was done through the bank so the banks could protect themselves from customers who might default. I get it. 
I, I walked away from it. I wasn't upset. And then the mayor's office called and said, hey, uh, we've been given an opportunity. There's a bank who just wants to help out companies in Newark. And we want you to be at the top of the list. So call these guys right now. And Fantastic. Who's the mayor of Newark? Let's give a shout out to. Ross Baraka. Yes. Okay. Invest in Newark. Norma Gonzalez was the one who helped us out. But they've, awesome. they've been incredibly helpful to us at all times. In terms of general capital, are you finding your banking partners uh, helpful uh, overall? Have they been there and ready? Because I've been hearing some really good stories about the banking relationships. But, I mean, no debt. I mean, do you think you're going to have to grab some as you continue to pivot or what? continue to see what this looks like? Um, I'm not sh- I'm not really sure about that. Uh, we we've, It's been a while since we had bank debt. Um, we have been very good at growing through cash flow and not biting off more than we can chew. If a huge opportunity came along, then maybe we would go and raise some capital or raise some bank debt. But other than that, we've been buying things very well on the dips. One of the ways that we've grown, really the primary way that we've grown is by buying companies that have, buying the assets of bankrupt textile businesses, probably bought about 15 over the last 30 years. Um, in the Mostly in the Northeast, we buy all of their assets. We usually hire salespeople. This is after they close. And when companies close, you know, they don't close with zero sales. They close with fewer sales than they can support. So if we can buy the assets for next to nothing and pick up a salesperson and bring all that stuff into our facility in Newark, we're able to grow that way. So we've been able to grow without really raising a lot of money. Mitch, you're obviously an incredibly talented uh, CEO, president, leader. Uh, you, you are running a, an organization with no debt that is union-based out of New Jersey and seeing sales grow. Uh, you know, Kudos to you. I mean, really cool stuff. But obviously what's happening now is affecting all of us, all of us as leaders. And I'm fascinated to talk with peers to ask them, how do you think this is going to affect your work style and your leadership style on a go-forward basis, or will it? So it's, it is definitely um, helped... <laughs> me to delegate nearly all of the day-to-day business to the people who should have been doing it for much longer than they have been. Uh, my, my management team has really risen to the occasion. Uh, they had been kind of gently telling me to stay away for the last six months. And now, um, and, and, I, and I started moving away from interfering in production and sales matters and stepping away and coming up with other ways to grow the business. And this has solidified that. Um, I've been able to involve myself in the business remotely, and the business has really never been better better managed. Um, so I go in to show support to everybody who's working. I go in to troubleshoot major major production issues or discuss major sales strategies or major product development strategies. But other than that, it's freed me up to look for what's next. And this is a really good time to be doing that because there are just so many things that there are going to be shortages of over the next 12 years. And domestic manufacturing is really having a moment right now. And people are going to be looking not just to business leaders, but to manufacturing leaders over the next year to come up with solutions to these problems. So um, I'm excited to be able to help with a lot of these issues. That's awesome. I mean, obviously, you've built an incredible team that you can empower. So kudos again to you. Mitch, you've been very generous with your time and, and, and really great information, fascinating information. The last question I'm going to ask you, I'm going to take as a leading indicator of the future of uh, the, 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 the American um, way of life. So are there going to be more uh, hat sales of Biden or more hat sales of Trump? This, this right here could be a, a future tell for everything. 
Um, ah, <laughs> there are probably going to be more hat tales of Trump, is my okay. guess. Um, the red hats are a winner. And election results. Um, but the Biden store has actually been closed since the end of March. They're still not selling any merchandise. And uh, there's still Trump merchandise all over the place. So we'll see. Uh, one thing that happens during an election season is that everybody buys a lot more hats and everybody pays a lot more attention to Made in USA. So both of those things are strong indicators for the headwear industry and the domestic manufacturing industry. Awesome. Mitch Kahn, president of Union Wear. Incredible leadership. Thank you so much for joining us today on ACG's Growth TV. Keep doing great things in New Jersey. All right. You're welcome. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Middle Market Growth Conversations. Subscribe to the podcast in Apple Podcasts or Google Play, where you can listen to past episodes and hear the next episode in two weeks. While you're there, we'd love if you could rate the show and leave a review to help other listeners find out about us. If you have an idea for a guest or a topic that you'd like to hear on the podcast, we'd love to hear your suggestions. Please email them to editor at acg.org. I'd also encourage you to check out our website, middlemarketgrowth.org, for more content covering the middle market, private capital investment, and trends in middle market M&A.